Education is sponsored by Participate, a community learning platform where the world learns together. Later in the episode, we'll hear about one of Participate's partners, The Sandbox, and how you can get involved in its free community learning opportunities and live streams. I mean, heaven forbid considering not using the agrarian calendar as the way that you do your school year. <laughs> Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss why every Wednesday should be an asynchronous learning day, who our favorite movie teachers are, and our guest this week is friend of the podcast, Mandy Freilich. So I almost forgot that we were supposed to do the podcast today. <laughs> actually, I did. Uh, actually, I legit did forget. Um, you sent me a text at, I, I'm just going back and looking at it, 615. Mm -hmm. You sent me a text, and that's when I went, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, I had the day off today, too, and I have tomorrow off, too, which is weird. Uh, we have kind of a weird couple of days off. I don't think it's very common. Uh, some people do take, some districts do take today off, which we're recording on a Monday on President's Day in the United States. But you said there's a holiday in Canada yeah, in Ontario, it's called off. Family Day mm. today, and it's a it's a like everyone takes Family Day off. Like it's a so unlike President's Day, which is like it seems like some people work during President's Day mm -hmm. that would normally take like a statutory holiday off. Um, in in Ontario, Family Day is everybody like stores are closed today. Yeah, um, and everything. So um, so I thought today was Sunday um, most of the day. <laughs> um and uh didn't didn't work today took it took it off as a as a as a day off even though um a lot of um folks that participate were working today sure um um so so i truly you know thought it was sunday um you know played a lot of video games and and <laughs> did a whole lot of did a whole lot of nothing um Good. and then realized that oh ah we have a podcast to do. <laughs> yes, so, we do. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Um, and we were talking off air about the weather. Um, you know, we don't normally do weather chat on, on education, <laughs> but but I, I thought I'd make the note of it because um, a lot of people don't realize that I think, like, latitudely, yeah. I'm actually further south than you. Yes. And it is freezing, freaking cold in the Midwest. Yes. And in most of the United States right now, it is, you guys are are getting crushed. And <laughs> there's like power outages in Texas mm. and ice storms and car pileups and, and tons of craziness going on and i'm just sitting here looking at my six feet of snow in the front yard mm -hmm. and it's like it's like um it's like 12 degrees fahrenheit outside yeah. which isn't too too bad um minus like minus five or six celsius uh for for the canadians <laughs> um and uh yeah you guys are getting it's cold there yeah. You were saying your gas lines froze. Yeah, it happens every so often. It's super frustrating. Um, I'm not sure if it's this house specifically, but last time it was many houses, homes that actually happened. Actually, it happened two years ago when I came back from FETC one time uh, two years ago when we, we were there. And um, it, was the, it was the year, Mike, that we were... Uh, presenting from just the table and I had printed out the poster remember yeah 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 and when I, when I came back from that time the governor had actually shut down the schools because it was too cold and the wind chills were in the negative I want to say 50s 40s and 50s so this morning it was negative 26 uh somewhere around there and in the house, it was about 50 degrees. <laughs> so when I got up, I was like, oh, my God, the furnace is out. I could just tell. I was like, something is wrong. Um, 
Luckily enough, the power company came out. They did some investigating and they actually fixed a couple of things on the outside of our home too to maybe that it won't happen as often. But yeah, it's really ridiculously cold. And actually that um, geographic um, info was also told to me by Jennifer Casatad, who said to me something to the effect of this is further north than Toronto is, you know, because she's yeah. from, from where you live. Uh, yeah, Jen, Jen lives about... 35 30 minutes south of me but on the same like on the same um like she's almost straight south like Mm. straight down a highway um i go to newmarket where she lives all the time um that's where the apple store is so (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah so it it is a crazy kind of cold here and this is very typical though the the february weather um Mm. i would say is really, really super ridiculously cold January and February. March is, gives you a mixed bag. We, we could get that massive snow that you're, you you normally get, or mm-hmm. we could just get freezing cold, or there has been some March, and I hope this uh, sometimes, sometimes in March that we get an early spring, and man, everybody in Minnesota celebrates those years. Uh, they happen very few times but maybe it'll be this year because it's 2021 it's not 2020 anymore and yeah we can we'll get, use that. And we'll get something amazing and we'll get to go outside uh as we you'll guys are listening to our conversation with mandy um it it if we were we we're talking i think off air about how cold it is and how gross it is to just be inside all of the time and be forced inside so those of you that are out yeah. can get outside uh, you're blessed. Yeah, our Take southern Cali- our southern California friends and mm-hmm. Texas. I, I keep I keep seeing Michael Hernandez with his you know pictures of riding with the palm trees and, oh. and I'm like oh dude I mean whatever <laughs> that's where my brother lives too yes exactly <laughs> beautiful weather every day <laughs> yeah yeah I wish I wish yes yes hey so so um want to put a game on people's radars because what would be a, an episode of on education without a little bit of game talk gaming yeah but this, this so so here's a there's a funny trend happening in in game sales and in game popularity mm-hmm. um and i i feel like we should have seen this coming a long time ago but but the last year and a half we've seen streamers driving the trends of what game is truly popular or not Mm. Um and and res- either resurrecting or making games that would have otherwise been unknown or relatively unknown into huge games. Yes. Um it happened in uh the spring and summer of last year with Fall Guys. Mm-hmm. And then it happened again over the fall and the winter uh, in the last year uh, with Among Us. Mm-hmm. And now it's happening with a game called Valheim. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Valheim is a survival, um, sandbox survival game. So if you uh, have played like um, Ark or, or Daisy. Uh, or or any of those kind of where you have to like gather materials, you know, build a a fort or like a, a base and 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 upgrade your skills. Um, not like Minecraft, definitely like those other games, Ark mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. Um, but it's 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 centered around Norse mythology and and the the Vikings. Um, so there's a lot of um symbolism and stuff like that centered like the armor and the things you can build are all um kind of viking um you know appearances Mm -hmm. uh and it is very good uh and it is a lot of fun um i've been playing it a lot lately um and 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 glenn you just started playing it uh today uh and there's been uh i've been playing with some buddies um, that I've been playing games off and on with for almost 20 years now. Um, mm. but we started a server and they're on it with me as well. Um, so, so Valheim friends, go, go and check it out. Um, it's, it's really quite, quite neat. Yeah. It reminded me of a game that I really liked, but it also scared the hell out of me called the forest. 
uh, because it has some similar mechanics and even the way that the characters are moving uh, and the way that you build things are very, very similar to that game, uh, mm. which, again, is not uh, these kind of huge titles either. That's the other part that's interesting, yeah. like you just said. They're not these uh, big companies that are putting out these uh, blockbuster type of games. Instead, it's these companies. And it's this an is still game. in. It, yeah, and it's still in. And it's in beta. Beta. Yeah. And they sold 20 million um, already? Over copies? a million. Over a million copies. This game, this studio, this like this like indie game studio, is a multi-million-dollar company now because mm. of one hit Fantastic. game that that streamers picked up on, and then everyone started playing. Um, I have a sponsorship with a company called Nodecraft. They do servers, and and they have a banner at the top of their site. Uh, if you want to create a, a Valheim server, it's it, it, there might be a a three day delay mm. um, because of the, 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 I don't, I don't the understand the server yeah. creation process, but, but I have a server, so I don't care because I got mine already. <laughs> um, but it's, it's pretty, pretty wild. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so people should check that out. Um, one of the things I've been actually thinking about lately, and it's funny that it, it, it's come up in the, in the show notes and and I want to I want to talk to someone, and this might be something we do with Noah as a dig it or, or ditch it, which we should we should definitely get back to doing. Um, is this idea of things that we should keep and things that we should get rid of um, that we have developed as habits or or new mm. structures or behaviors as a result of the pandemic, and. Um, so one of the things that that has come up though on Twitter uh is this idea that and, and it's from um Dwayne Reed tweeted it Wednesday should be an asynchronous workday for schools now and forever. Um and and Glenn is on board. So yes. so tell us what you think. I actually think that the four-day work week, someone else was talking about that or asking about that, and this is kind of right along those lines, but maybe not an actual day off, but an asynchronous day allows for so many different things. The flexibility of having that day allows for true uh, PLCs to happen at schools instead of just some other meeting that you just have to attend, whether you actually have, have uh, teachers that are able to collaborate together and really work uh, through some goals and goal setting and et cetera. Uh, the ability for teachers we talk about all the time to be innovative, Mike. We want yeah. people to be innovative as you as you describe uh, many times and you've, you've wrote about it and you've spoke about it too, but we don't give them the real the permission to do it and we the definitely space, never give them the time to yeah. be able to be innovative um we pretend that the summer is the time to be innovative but that really isn't the case it's not doesn't work like that well it's um, also it, not the way it's supposed to be no no it's not it's not the way it's supposed to be that would be uh you know in addition to whatever you're actually working on so really building that in into a schedule where you have an asynchronous day gives kids the ability to go ahead and have a day where it's flexible learning um, and then it gives your teachers and then gives you some different things that you could do in that day, uh, both for the students. Uh, maybe they can do some additional, they could take an additional course or do some uh, community service. Tons of different opportunities if we go ahead and build that in. And I think when we do speak to Noah about adding things, it has a lot of the things that we've learned during the pandemic that I think we should keep have to do with time, calendars, yeah. uh, the adjustment of start times for the school day, how many hours we go to school, being able to have those things be flexible and also have courses that you don't have to be there face to face every single day, that there's some flexibility in, in being able to do things like this uh, really is huge. The ability for us to not have to meet in the exact same room is huge too. You know, different things have happened yeah. and now we were forced to do some things, but now it's like, hey, we can take advantage of that, take in some of the, you know, uh, get make up some more time and give it back to ourselves and then be innovative with that time. 
be able to do some things you maybe never even thought about doing before because you didn't feel like you could have the opportunity to learn about it more, et cetera. And now you can. Um, so I'm really excited about that. those types of things. I don't know, if, obviously, if this will happen. Wednesday <laughs> be an asynchronous day forever. But I think some people, some districts are going to start really looking at these things, some local school boards, and saying, this is a really good thing for our students, for our educators, um, and even for you know the, the community itself. It could be great for everyone. Yeah, I mean, heaven forbid considering not using the agrarian calendar as the way that you do your school year. Exactly. It would huh. it would it would open up tons of interesting calendar opportunities that that may be better for everybody, not just mm-hmm. um teachers, but for students and and parents, to be yes. honest. I mean, summers are challenging for parents that still have to work. Yes. And their kids are home. Um, but you know, it's an opportunity, you know, to consider just, you know, that we've been using the calendar for the school year for the last 300 years. And it's probably time to take a look at that amongst (laughs) many other things. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Speaking of, um, you know, what's old is new again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and looking back at history, um, one of our teammates, uh, Diana Myers McGee, um, shared uh, an article with us, um, and the title, you know, hits a dead on already. Remote learning is a new radio instruction in nineteen in the nineteen thirty seven polio epide- epidemic with a great picture of of kids mm-hmm. sitting and listening to the radio with their papers and their pens and their books. Um, and it's, it's super interesting because, you know, um, you know, we've had to do this before, right? Yeah. I mean, that picture is amazing. Uh, it says in the caption, it says Chicago students doing broadcasted radio school lessons in 1937. So if people are complaining about zoom, (laughs) um, imagine this cameras off. 315,000 kids were home uh, learning, taking their radio uh, lessons, sorry, through the radio. Uh, Imagine being the educator, having to be innovative enough that spoken word would have to, would be enough to be able to, and only one-way communication too. I was just thinking about that. It's a it's a one-way communication. It's live, so it's not like a recorded lesson, you know, where you can kind of uh, redo, you know, retakes. You gotta you gotta be live on radio and and then delivering the lesson to you, to your students. What a fantastic thing, you know. And I obviously uh, I hadn't I hadn't even thought about this or whatever it might be. So it's a great article, kind of a good thing to be able to take a look at as far as the history of these types of things, and then just being able to say, you know what, we're very resilient. Uh, all of us, as far as humans in general, and and the way that we've. Uh, managed through this and the way that we've learned so many things through this and what we will end up being as far as after this, as far as an educational system, there's a lot of promising things. Um, and we said it from the beginning. We didn't want to say it was an opportunity because that was a forbidden word, but it was, it is now in retrospect, an opportunity to take a look at our practices and then change yeah. the ones that need changing. So if mm-hmm. you don't change after this entire thing and you don't change as an educator you don't change as a system you don't change as a government you know then something is wrong you know that i mean truly wrong that's 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 horrible you didn't there is no learned lessons then there are things to for all of us to take away from this obviously there are some things that we we took for granted and we want to make sure that we don't take those things for granted anymore uh but there's things that we can be like, you know what? We could do things better than what we had been doing them previously. And hopefully we do take those lessons. And as we come through these next months and then this year, uh, as it goes on 2021, and we start because we end up at a better and better place and, you know, the, the masks are gone and, and we are all vaccinated and it seems like 
it's the hopefully the end uh, of this period. I hope that schools have changed and there's a different uh, take. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, we learned these things. Here's our adjustment to it. And, and we're now better for it. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Counting on that. Um, yes. And we talked we talked about that with Mandy a little bit mm-hmm. um, as well. Ending off this this part of the podcast with a, a pretty good Twitter thread that I, I think you actually have a strong opinion on and I actually <laughs> don't. Oh, yeah. um, um, but but the question was, who was a good teacher in a show or movie? And and I feel like you've mentioned this before. Who who is your favorite teacher from a, a movie? Um, hundred percent. I would vote for uh, Mr. Escalante, and he was in the movie Stand and Deliver, played by James Almos. James Edward Almost, I think that's that's his full name, um, and it's just a fantastic show. I've seen it more than twenty times. I've memorized many parts of the movie itself. I just absolutely love it. But then, what was cool about this thread, and we'll make sure we have we link it for the audience, is you'll want to take a look at this because there's so many really good movies um, that depict amazing teachers another one that i hadn't even thought of mike that i actually showed in class is a movie called walkout um and it is about the 1960 walkouts that happened in los angeles um and it was basically uh, it, it is it is a fantastic thing to take a look at that was happening in the 60s that continues to happen today and and as far as people um taking to the streets and saying you know what things aren't right. And in this case, they weren't right in these specific schools in this school district in Los Angeles. It is a fantastic show with some great teachers. I think too often we get, we're always like this, but as humans, um, there's these shows, there's movies and shows and TV series with teachers who are horrible. You know, they're depicted in a really terrible way, you know, as far as whatever might be. And we get too, uh, involved emotionally to those things you know like oh, i can't believe you know they showed us but often there's a lot of really really good hollywood type of movies and tv shows that have been an amazing um depiction of what an educator is and uh, so you know there's both sides uh, of, of the thing so for sure you guys want to check out this list because there's so many good movies on here that i hadn't even thought of uh and tv right. series too What's your favorite, Mike? Or what? Can, so I or... don't really like. I don't really have one. That I I kind of thought. I I can think of movies with people I would consider teachers or or teachable, like Mr. Holland, right? So Mr. Holland's sure. Opus. That's a great show. Um, yes, is is one that I thought of, um, and um, it, it's funny. I actually have a stronger take on on your main character there. Um, Edward James almost the actor than mm-hmm. I do on this whole because he's he was in the West Wing that's why I, I was like and this is why I remember this question is because you've mentioned this guy before <laughs> yes. and I've looked him up before yes and every time I've looked him up it's because he was in the West Wing he was, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and his other his other claim to fame is that he was given an opportunity to be the Captain Picard of the next generation, and he turned it down. No way. Yes. That's amazing. That's a good yes. tidbit. That was a good tidbit yes. right there, Mike. Those are the two for, things for, I know about this for guy. For us being super nerds. Oh, you know what he was on, though, Mike? I don't know. Did you ever watch the series Battlestar Galactica? He was on that, too, I believe. He was, was he, he was the captain. He was the captain of of the of the main ship or whatever might be and that was a really dark sci-fi series um that i highly recommend to anybody that likes sci-fi if you want some dark stuff this battlestar galactica was is awesome uh for that that type of i can't believe though imagine he was captain picard of the starship enterprise right that just doesn't seem right i'm sorry john luke picard can't be uh well i mean i I imagine i imagine it would have been great but yeah it would have been awesome it just would have been way different yes but that's for sure there's there's what i there's my (laughs) my take 
tangential, <laughs> tangential, uh, whatever that word is, um, uh, take on this is related yeah. to the actor that you mentioned. Mm. Um, I, I don't, I don't watch many movies to be honest, and and um, don't have a strong opinion on this, but I do love going through this list and looking at um who people mentioned, and and it, and it might actually get me to um watch a couple Check movies, a couple, yeah. So for sure, so for that's sure. that. When we come back, we're gonna talk to Mandy Fralick, who is joining us for I believe the fourth time. So stay with us. We're building this virtual community of educators who share an interest in game design and teaching new skills. We will use this space to connect, collaborate, and innovate with Sandbox. That's Sebastian Bourget. He's the co-founder and chief operating officer at the Sandbox. This community is here to provide guidance, support, feedback, and suggestions on how to best use the Sandbox within the context of teaching and learning how to make video games. It allows also to connect experts and educators, bringing together existing creators and members of the Sandbox game platform community with professional educators. The Sandbox community has grown into a vibrant space of 100 plus educators. How can you get involved? More to come later in the episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. She's an education consultant and speaker on educator mental health and so much more. She's the author of four books and a great friend of the podcast, making her fourth appearance, we think, <laughs> on the podcast. Welcome, Mandy Freilich. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to see your faces. I can't even put it into words. So excited to see you. It's awesome. So we think you're tied. We were talking about this before we went live. We think you're tied with Steve Isaacs, who who mostly just cares that we say his name. So so, um, you know, we used to actually episode. have a running record of how many times in a podcast or how many podcasts in a row we dropped his name, mm-hmm. um, and and he loved that. He thought that was hysterical. But um, we think that you're tied with Steve. Hmm. for the most times being on the podcast. So it's been a minute, you know. Um, I think the last time we all saw each other was FETC in Miami. Yes. Um, So that's been... Seems like a decade ago. Oh, seems like forever. (laughs) It's certainly a whole lifetime. Yes. (laughs) It's been a pandemic minute, which is like Mm. five minutes to every one minute. Right. So. so much has happened. So how have you been? What have you been up to um, in in the last year? Uh, you you released a book in, in the last year, have you not? Uh, two, actually. Duh. Yeah. You've been two. busy. Look at that. Yeah. The opposite but- of me in terms of <laughs> writing efficiency is what that is. <laughs> two, two. That's so many. Zero, yes. big not fat two. zero, not two. <laughs> not, not any yet, yet. He's, yeah, he's working tell, on it. Tell us about mindset. the new books. Tell us about the new books. Sure. Um, so I had the uh, like foresight to retire from the district prior to the pandemic. It was like I could see it coming, and I was like, no, I need to like, do something else because I was a director of innovation and technology. I can't even imagine what those people went through along with everybody else. But I mean, just I, I didn't want to be I, I'm glad that I made the choice that I did. Um, I now usually tell people that I'm unemployed and I just I'm just lucky enough to go around to school districts and talk to people because that's basically what it feels like. Um, but within that, I yeah, I wrote two books. So the first one was Reignite the Flames, which is a follow up to Fire Within which was my first one on educator mental health. And then um, the second one is actually a workbook uh, that is a companion guide to reignite the flames. Only mm. um, it can be purchased on its own. There's enough information in there to get someone through the book on its own without. But um, it's just a very practical, like weekly guide to implementing what I talk about in reignite the flames. So um, yeah, that's kind of, I released them like six months apart and it was a lot of fun. Tell, tell us more about that, Mandy, the workbook itself, because I was going to ask you a specific question that I ask you, I think, every single time you've ever been on the podcast, which is just trying to get any types of tips for our teachers out there who are struggling right now, either 
specifically with mental health or teachers that are struggling to make a distinction between their work and their home life, which then runs into mental health type of issues, burning out, uh, not feeling like they can continue in the profession. I've heard that often, uh, both with colleagues that I work uh, around and then people that are obviously in my professional learning network either publicly or in DMs or whatever it might be. And it's, it's really hard. To, I don't even know, honestly, to, what even to tell them, except that it'll be better. It'll get yeah. better, you know, kind of things. But that's not really that good of advice. Um, what are some things that you have found that are successful strategies? And maybe even, even talk about what you have suggested as far as in this workbook, you know, things that you can work on on a daily basis to um, just to make it make it through the pandemic <laughs> and then <laughs> and then once you get through the pandemic to be an you know be okay as a as a as a person as a as a as a human but also obviously as a teacher yeah well i think the benefit of you asking me this every time that i'm on is that every time i have a little bit better answer because i've had more time to research awesome. and implement and all of those kinds of things and and my experience with reignite the flames and the educators matchbook has given me a, a you know sort of laying out what people can do gave me a lot better perspective on practical advice um and so what uh educators matchbook does is it gives you regular times to practice things, uh, like implement them in your in your life in order to really build a foundation of resilience. And um, and so things that you you know, my my first thing would be that the things that you do have to be done on a regular basis. Um, you know, you have to uh, create some sort of, of routine, which is something that people are lacking right now, because, you know, even I mm -hmm. sit in my office and I'm in the middle of a call or in the middle of a podcast and my daughter comes down, she lets the dog in, the dog's digging through my garbage, like, you know, or, or she comes down with a question on a paper that I'm like, I have no idea what you're doing. I don't really know. And, and so I'm trying to like, you know, shield these questions and, and stop the garbage from being uh, torn up and, and still yet trying to do my work and, and, you know, talk to you guys. And, um, and so that, that those boundaries have really been uh, what, what used to be a physical boundary, you know, people would go to work and then come home mm -hmm. and work was at work and home is at home have really been, you know, skewed and, and really non-existent for quite some time now. Um, so some of those resilient pieces would be the typical things that you're hearing right now, practicing self-care. And people are tired of hearing that, I think. Um, however, uh, scientifically speaking, <laughs> it, it helps build resilience. You know, whether you like hearing the words or not, and I've desperately tried to find a different phrase to encompass those same things. Sure. Um, but I haven't been able to. Whether you like it or not, it is what helps you build resilience. And um, so really, you know, um, practicing self-care, um, setting healthy boundaries. You know, I've decided, I decided recently to stop answering emails on the weekend. Um, I no longer answer them on the weekend because uh, they add to my to-do list. And I might work on the weekends, but I don't answer my emails. Um, and what has happened, I've noticed as I start to transition with that boundary is that um, somebody will send me an email and if I don't answer it in an hour or two, they will send me a text and say, hey, can you answer my email? And I've had to start establishing that boundary by saying, I will answer your email on Monday unless it's an emergency. Um, is it an emergency? Nope, it's not an emergency. Okay, mm. then I will answer your email on Monday. And so it does It does take really establishing those boundaries. Establishing boundaries doesn't only mean deciding on it. It means following up on it when somebody crosses them. Um, so, so that's a big thing. Um, in the book, there are uh, mindfulness strategies to use. Um, things that explains like things like mindful coloring, and uh, you know, trying to give more mindfulness strategies than just meditation, which everybody kind of correlates with mindfulness. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what else. There's gratitude and resilience practices in there. Um, you know, but I think one of the most important pieces, and you guys know me, like I. Everybody has mental health, right? Like we all have to practice the resilience and mental health stuff, but, but where you really need to start 
also is is looking at the the mental health issues and things that are going on um, as well and the overwhelm and the stress and the disengagement and um, and in order to start looking at that you really have to be willing to step into your emotions and um, you know I used to have a counselor that says you have to feel to heal and if you feel it crying you have to cry <laughs> um, you know we tell kids mm. stop being mm. frustrated stop being angry stop crying that's not how you process emotions um, is just by locking it in a box and locking it away. And um, so, you know, um, I, I recently I started putting in one in my resilience presentation. It's kind of like that Shrek saying, like, better out than in, you know, uh, same kind of idea. Got to let the emotions out um, in order instead of keeping them in. So. I hope those strategies work. I mean, it's there are so many. I could go on and on and on and on for hours. Yeah. And and um, but those are some of the ones that I've come up with that I've put into the books. I think um, when I just I I, th I think about myself and my family and and my friends and and I think the word I'm hearing and thinking about a lot now is tired. Just I think everyone is tired because, like you just said, the days. Are, are longer they're kind of constant we we actually talked to um someone kind of fairly early on in the pandemic um and he was telling us i think it was tyler from go guardian was telling us that there were teachers that were you know replying to emails and logging on to their lms's at like one in the morning still and and people have been doing a lot of that for a year now and i think it's starting to really take a toll on on folks um and just everyone is tired so you know in in that context i i think about like the habits that people have either um not developed you know that that could have helped them through this time or the opportunity that presents themselves now to develop really good mental health mindfulness type habits and i think your idea of not doing email on the weekend is like one of those really simple things that people could do to um just develop a habit so that when you come out of this you're 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 stronger instead of just completely worn down and then you still got to go to work and and stuff like that so i, I don't really have a question necessarily just like almost you know, maybe we can talk about this idea, this idea that um, that people are tired and that, you know, this this should be seen, I think, Mandy, as a, as an opportunity um, to develop habits. And I think your book could help with that and your your work could help with that. And so, you know, we, we can think about that more is 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 using this time to develop good tools. And and what do you think about that? And, and hopefully I don't know what I'm saying now, but yeah, that's no, what I'm saying. <laughs> that's okay. I got, I, I got it. Um, I think that one of the most important things that people can kind of take out of this, um, this pandemic is that it is okay to be two things at once. Okay. So it is okay to be happy with who you are and still want to grow is an example. Um, mm. But pandemic specific would be something like it is okay to both feel frustrated that we're in a pandemic and this feels unfair and we want to see our friends and we want to see our families and we want to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. It is okay to both be frustrated and still work on developing ways to build resilience and um, build a foundation of um, you know, a little bit more positivity. And so like, that's really what gratitude does, right? Like gratitude, um, when it's done, you know, when it's practiced on a regular basis, gratitude is really about um, changing your default setting. Okay, like changing your default mm -hmm. setting so that when something difficult happens, your default is a little bit more positive thinking, a little bit more appreciation for what you had. Um, it's not that bad things don't happen. It's not like that you don't get sad. It's just changing that default. And so it's okay to, to both feel overwhelmed and still work on moving forward. Um, and it's, it's okay to, to you know, feel overwhelmed and not feel guilty for taking time to work through that overwhelm. And, and so 
I see a lot of like kind of uh, like dichotomous type things going on right now where um, it's okay to accept both. Uh, and, and overwhelm is a big thing. Uh, you know, I, I see people talking about it all the time. They don't always have the word for it. It's that thing where you've been, you, you know, you binge Netflix for eight hours and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I skipped breakfast, lunch and dinner and I never saw my kids, you know, and, and you sat through that in whole time and, and watched Netflix or you scrolled your phone through your phone, through social media and didn't really read anything. You just kept scrolling or you lost your glasses and you looked for them for an hour and realized they were on top of your head, you know, or stopped having a conversation with your mm -hmm. spouse or partner in the middle of it and forgot what you were even talking about. Those are all like those are all indications of overwhelm. And, um, you know, it's okay to sit in that space and try to get through that the best that you can and still build those resilience, uh, practice those resilience strategies. So different topic. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually listen to a lot of different educational podcasts, watch a lot of different ed tech things on YouTube. Um, I, I enjoy a lot of the of the things that are out there currently and have been probably for the last I want to say since I've ever since I joined uh, Twitter, which has been a while now, um, and uh, now there aren't too many original things in that space. I'm sorry, everybody that's putting out the podcast here and there, whatever it might be. I'm happy for you, and I'm pumped that you guys are doing <laughs> amazing things. And a lot of them are fantastic, right? But I wouldn't call them original. Um, and many of them are a play on the same ideas that have been done, just a different kind of spin on it, whatever take. Different hosts. But as soon as I heard your idea, you and I believe Tisha Richmond and Melody McAllister, am I Jen saying Cassatod. the right people here? Jen, Jenna Cassatot. Okay, so I, I don't know why I threw Melody in there, but hi, Melody. Um, <laughs> and as soon as I heard the idea, I think you guys were were uh, were saying kind of uh, building up to the first episode. Mm -hmm. I was like, "That's an awesome idea." And then I got to actually be on the show too. So then it was even more awesome. <laughs> but tell us about your new YouTube series, uh, "The Masked Educator," the idea behind it, and then kind of like what what is the t play and take in case people have seen maybe like the mass singer or now i guess they have a dancer too but yeah. that i haven't watched yet yeah, yeah something yeah. like that <laughs> yeah I'm, i can't i cannot i can absolutely not take any credit for this idea whatsoever it was a conversation <laughs> uh that jen was having with us she had listened she actually it, it didn't actually originate from the mass singer or mass dancer it was a podcast that jen had listened to that they were alluding to something something very similar um in what mm. they were doing in the podcast which brought us to the masked um the masked uh, singer and then to the mass educator. And so basically, um, one of us invites someone on and hopefully they're, they're masked. And, uh, we, um, the, the other two that didn't invite them on, uh, get to ask a couple questions. If we get, uh, the questions in a certain amount of time, we get a certain number of points. We play against the audience. Uh, the audience has a form that they can fill out and they can guess who it is if they would like. Um, and then once it's guessed or we do the reveal, then we have this sort of wheel of, it's like a wheel of mystery. <laughs> uh, it started out as, excuse me, it started out as just being questions. And then I'm like, but it would, it would be fun if they had to dance or yeah. if they had to <laughs> do, do charades or something. Um, and and so that that's what turned into the mass educator and it has been i mean so much fun we're i think um five episodes in and um we've been able to uh i i, I can't even it's so much fun we just laugh and and people and what i think what's blown me away the most about the mass educator is that when we get people on inevitably they have this this crazy cool like um thing that people didn't know that they could do like mm. glenn glenn's like hey do you want me to grab my guitar and play a song and we're like <laughs> what now <laughs> that wasn't that far a stretch <laughs> <laughs> well i mean 
for some people, if people yeah, yeah, don't yeah, know you yeah. very well. Yeah, no, um, I gotcha. Yep. <laughs> and then he got the, the dancing one. He gets up and does some salsa. I mean, come on. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. And um, so, That's you funny. know, uh, we had Brian Romero Smith on recently. And, and I don't even remember. Oh, he had to do charades for his favorite movie. And he hmm. whips out this lightsaber, like legitimate lightsaber <laughs> from below the camera. I don't even know where he got it from. And starts like mimicking Star Wars. And uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been an absolute blast and such a great way to get to know people and, you know, find out what they're really about besides just an education on Twitter. And I had mentioned to you guys, and I still think this is true, that that should be part of a conference. It's one of the conferences that we have. I think that would be fantastic. You know, they have the karaoke thing that they do at ISTE. Mm -hmm. This would be freaking awesome to do that and have some sort of audience and have a game that goes along with with the entire thing. Uh, I I think that has some legs. I, I I would be, I would love to watch that, so... Anyway, keep it in mind because yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. you guys could pull that off and it would be freaking awesome. Yeah, we had talked about um, reaching out to, uh, you know, like FETC in the past has had that stage in the in the conference center, you know, or in the yeah. um, expo hall where, uh, you know, like I think Sir Ken Robinson was on there the one year and it's kind of in a, in a random place. And I thought, wow, maybe we could. Yeah, maybe we could do it on there. That might be kind of fun. So, yeah, um, yeah we'll see. Once we start going in Work person again. Yeah. Yes. Goals. Hopefully so, soon. <laughs> so speaking of in-person stuff, I mean, I mean, 2021 is going to be, um, you know, a, an interesting year. It's already been interesting so far. I was talking to someone the other day um, about, you know, 2020. 2021 and 2022 are going to be like a whole lifetime in three years just the way that they're so different from each other um you know and and so this year i think as we um hope potentially of seeing each other again this year at some point um and we're all working on uh, a bunch of different things uh, i'm curious what is what is next for you what are you what are you working on what are what are your plans for 2021 and beyond i guess a beach vacation is that can, can oh, that be man. my own doesn't thing? that sound <laughs> You're you're killing me with that because I actually when people ask me I'm like Hawaii that's all I'm thinking about right, right now is going yes. right. Did you know that you could move there during the pandemic? Did you hear this? How you could like apply to move hmm. there uh, for for months if you were no. willing to do something for the community during the pandemic. They would oh, I don't know if really? they would put you no. up. Yeah, you could it was there was an application process and um i said oh Mm. i would have known about that sooner i totally have done that but yes um first and foremost i plan on planning a vacation (laughs) somewhere Mm -hmm. um but after that i you know i'm i am a little bit in the same place that a lot of other people are where you're just really trying to take it day by day you know um i do have a couple other projects in the works where i'm going to um, create a um, uh, another workbook type style book um, for the the normals, the normal people who aren't educators, um, and and release that, and then also for uh, hopefully teenagers as well. So those two things are kind of on my radar, mm. um, and to try and get those out. Um, I've had a lot of requests for districts for the mental health support and things. Um, I also applied for a doctoral program, and so I'm waiting to hear uh, from that. I don't know if I'll get in, nice. but if I Fantastic. do, then my dis- my um, goal is to create a district-wide um, educator-supported resilience plan that districts can take and then just implement. Um, so those are some of my things coming up, but uh, to be honest, like I said, I'm very much in the same spot where a lot of other people are, where it's kind of wait and see at this point. I mean, you know, I, I was doing really well with the pandemic, actually, until, I mean, f- f- in, you know, like in the grand scheme, until they told us that when you get 
the uh, the, sh- the immunization that you still have to wear a mask. And I don't know why that was my breaking mm. point, because I actually don't care about masks that much. Um, and I, I and I, so I don't know why that mm. was it. But when they said that and then they came out with the news about the double masks and I was like, all right, hands in the air, like I'm out, whatever, <laughs> whatever from now on, I can't even deal. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of in the same place with everyone else, just really trying to take it day by day and and uh, to see what comes. Mm. So. It's it's super difficult. You're right. And it's hard to think past tomorrow, past this week, you know, as far as you're working through things. Mandy, yeah. how can our listeners connect with you online and uh, give us any kind of uh, information that you have about yourself and then also maybe even how to find your book? Uh, you can find me at Freilich M on Twitter and um, some version of Mandy Freilich, either Mandy Freilich or Freilich Mandy on any of the other socials. Um, and then www.divergentedu.com on for my website where I have a bunch of free resources as well. I'm always adding to that uh, if you would like anything for mental health or innovative thinking. Um, and I think I think that's that's it. I live in the Appleton area in Wisconsin. If you're ever that way, camping with your family or something like that, I mean, stop by, whatever. Go come hang out with Mandy Freilich. Um, Mandy, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to see your faces. I miss you two like crazy. The Sandbox is creating a learning ecosystem where educators can learn in weekly streams, bring ideas into their classrooms, collaborate with other educators, and become Sandbox ambassadors. Our goal for the stream is to show the world how low the barrier can be to teaching and learning game making through our no-code and accessible platform. Anyone can do it. Passion and education. You can feel it in the streams as we explore and share ideas around game design implementation in your teaching practice. Join the community to learn more at go.participate.com slash sandbox. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter. And I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.